Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. It enters into a, a hotel room. So this one looks much more lived in. And the, the first thing that you smell is kind of a, a strong scent of old smoke and alcohol and sweat. I think everybody probably has some sense of like, we're in fairly deep shit at this point, And we might as well just be grasping for whatever we can grab. And you can see that it's a, it's a record that's called Whatever Happened to Abby. <gasps> Abby? As in Abigail. The voice that you're hearing kind of changes. It starts to to slow down. Are, are either of you good uh, communicating with children? I don't really. I mean, I'll do it, but I don't, what are we going to talk about? I don't know if we should approach this child. Or are we sure it's a child? I mean, it's covered in gauze. <laughs> the Delta Green paranoia sets in. Are we kind of at a point now where we're like, this is bigger than Abigail, right? This is a huge thing. What is that? Who, who is that? I don't know. I don't know who you are. Puppy number two, David. We don't know. She collapses and you see just thousands of clockwork pieces scatter across the floor. I put my money on clock girl and I'm glad that I did. And she stands up and looks at you and says, what are you doing in my apartment? New York City, August 10th, 1995. Davina Greenberg backed out of her own apartment and locked the door as she left. She struggled slightly because of the small notebook and pen in her hand. Davina had a cheery air about her today, less forced than normal for her. Anyone who was around Davina would say that she often seemed cheerful, but that was usually a front, something put on to give her the access she needed. But today, her good mood was real. It had been only a few minutes since her neighbor, Veronica Doyle, had left her apartment, and Davina's mood was much better than when she had arrived. It wasn't that she didn't like Veronica. She actually found the young lawyer tolerable, or more tolerable than most. But Davina had been dreading this weekend. Veronica had mentioned earlier in the week that she had a friend coming in town, and another set of eyes watching Davina was the last thing she needed. But Veronica had just told Davina that her friend was no longer coming, and that Veronica herself was going to be busy with work this weekend, and so wouldn't be around much. Davina breathed a sigh of relief as she thought about it. So much easier, for a few days at least. Davina made her way down the stairs of her meatpacking district brownstone to the second floor, pausing for just a moment outside Veronica's door to pull out the extra key Veronica had had made for her. She took a quick look around, perhaps unnecessary since she had watched Veronica leave the building through her window, before unlocking the door and entering the apartment. Davina walked through the entryway, closing and locking the door behind her. Might as well make quick work of this anyway, she thought. She had other neighbors to finish up today, too, and they wouldn't be as easy. Her work sometimes grated on her. Finding ways into her neighbors' apartments was anxiety-inducing, if nothing else. But she knew she wouldn't have been assigned the task if it wasn't important to the network. She only had to walk a few more steps into Veronica's apartment to find the kitchen table, and silently scolded Veronica for keeping the space so messy. At least she didn't have to do it by memory today. She took the cap off the pen she had brought with her and started recording each item on the table in her little notebook. Black hooded sweatshirt, electric bill, nearly empty plastic cup with iced coffee, melting ice, and a straw. When she finished, she took a quick look at Whiskers' food and water bowls to make sure they were full, put the notebook and pen into the back pocket of her jeans, and left the apartment, making sure to lock the door behind her. She'd be back tomorrow. So we're about to begin episode eight, which feels like the perfect time to check in with the players on what wild theories they have or very normal theories that they have. So so take a second, separate yourself from your actual character. What do you as a player, Lindsay, Sarah, Mikey, what do you think's going on? What theories do you have? What are you wondering about? What are you worried about? 
Well, Sarah had the best theory, I think, of any of us. Well, I mean, I haven't had any. I have contributed no kind of theory. But, like, the day-night <laughs> thing, you should explain it. Like, that made sense. That was yeah. you who said that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that you can only access these floors at nighttime. And I feel like it is going back in time. And, like, that is also, like, by the hours. Like, sometimes it's in 1920 and then sometimes it's in 1940 as you're, like, getting closer to the daytime or something. And maybe that girl was, like dancing to like when it slowed down time was slowing and it was getting back like further back because we're getting closer to midnight or something interesting so some some day night action some 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 time travel action happening and okay. mr castain is like the the clockmaker, if you will of this the situation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who's the superintendent that he works for just didn't ask his name when you had a chance to ask his <laughs> name we could have known his name oh we didn't ask I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. You're right. Mm. I I have like one, I don't know, like the two things that have stuck with me the most for some reason, and they hit like these, these theories have no basis in like any evidence whatsoever, but like all the hotel, all the apartment rooms that we come into, right, are either like super gross, like totally trashed, or like look kind of nice. Like they could be, you know, habitable and... For some reason, I feel like whatever this building is, is like sucking the life out of like the artists who live here. And so like when you're coming into a room that's like waterlogged and full of trash and like super gross, it's like something, it's like an artist's like muse or like the artists themselves that like this building has like chewed up and like destroyed. And like maybe, you know, again, this is like not based in almost anything. It's like what where my head goes. And then the the rooms that are nice are like the ones like it's like room for like the next artist to like like move upstairs and then to be like to lure them in to be like sucked out. Yeah. I love that. Art life. That's so that's so metaphorical and I I love every bit of it. Yeah, that's really good. (laughs) That's really good. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they always like all the rooms are split in between those two things. And then the other random one was I was thinking about the paintings that um, Veronica saw in the basement and I had to check and make sure I was saying her name right um, now that <laughs> Victoria <laughs> met. Um, Veronica saw the one, um, the image of the, it's like a white face specter on the stairs, like surrounded by fire. And I thought maybe that was going to come into play in the smoking room. Mm, I don't know. I just felt like there was some connection there. I have nothing. I have nothing else to to that. But I think like the rooms, the rooms theory is the one I'm hanging my hat on. I have literally been confused from the first time we <laughs> saw the baby clown, and we saw the baby clown maybe ten minutes into the first episode. So, and I, from that moment on, I've been like, well, I can't. Feel, I can't make heads or tails of any of this. I think the time stuff makes sense. And like uh, hearing, uh, you know, p- smarter people talk about it, I can go, oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think <laughs> so. Uh, because then you can look at like, oh, I wonder as like, are the, do the floors represent different times? Is that part of it or something? You know what I mean? As you go up and now this woman, because now we're experiencing on the floor on now uh, a period. It sounded like it was a time period of clothing that we haven't come across yet like it, it kind of sounded 60s 70s ish radical uh with the hemp vest and the the hat and so like i don't know so i i have no idea uh what's going on why it's going on i just know that mark rark is at the center of it that's the only thing i can <laughs> him or monty hogg that's the only thing i can wrap my head around mark is god any theories on on the connection to monty hogg if there is one i think monty hogg uh is the center of everyone's pain and evil uh, in society. <laughs> from moment, from, uh, that's my working theory for the unified nature of my game is that Monty Hogg is sort of a Randall Flag from the Stand type character, <laughs> where everything he touches he ruins. <laughs> that's my. Theory. I am I am a big Stephen King fan, so that you uh, can't put it past me. Uh, old <laughs> Mont Space Gummery Hogg. He's real. <laughs> Well, Monty was a writer, right? What he originally was a wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, then he then he quit but like then he a like baby lost. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he, <laughs> Two different wah. opinions. <laughs> I'm gonna paint yeah, now. Quit or, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna paint now. What a quitter! <laughs> Wait, and and all yeah. of the people who have been in here, there were initials of other people that we know, right? Darabondi, the Picasso architect. Maybe that's the, well, not the superintendent. They probably made this place. 
Well, yeah. So you've seen mm-hmm. you've seen the name Darabondi twice on the the mm-hmm. newspaper article, and then Anastasia he Marks. had a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think yes. Yeah, Sarah Sarah took particular note of of a Marks as one of the as one of the people who had a photograph up on the wall. And all of this obviously seems related to the sigil that seems yes. to open some sort of portal or make some of this possible. Which we have on us. We have that sigil just on our person. Yeah. And it's not lost on me that have you seen the yellow sign? And isn't Yellow King? Yeah, that's where. First? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. the whole, the whole, uh, I think probably the most, the closest we've come probably to the center of everything, I would predict, is the moment in which uh, Victoria Veronica had the... <laughs> Victor Victoria. <laughs> yeah, Victor Victoria. <laughs> Julie yeah. Andrews had the, um, the, the whisper in the ear, the like, the god of everything or whatever. Oh, yeah, like, like in a living god. Yeah, the living god mm-hmm. of whatever that was. That was, I was like, oh, okay, like this is probably something very central. To what mm-hmm. we're what we're dealing with here, that feels important. So yeah. that's the best I got. All right. Well, keep all those things in mind as we pick back up. The agents have come upon a what seems like a grand library, or you know, some reading room or something like that, and kind of started to split up. Chip went down an aisle and started looking at the books. Veronica started moving toward the center of what she thought the center of this area is. And Dahlia, I think, debated for a moment whether or not she 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 at, for a while was keeping one foot in the dance the dance hall and one mm-hmm. foot in the in this in this library. And when she saw Veronica disappearing behind the bookshelves, I think she made the decision to follow. And when we left off, Dahlia came across a woman who got up from her chair and said, "What are you doing in my apartment?" But before we pick back up with Veronica, I want to shift back to chip and chip is is looking through looking Books. through the bookshelves trying to figure out is there any sort of rhyme or reason to the way that these books are set up and he really he really feels like there is some sort of system but he cannot grasp it and then you said you started to kind of look to see if there was any sign you know any sign of McAllister or anything that kind of any books that felt like they connected with what you've anything. been trying to figure out yeah so there is one book that stands out to you in particular, and I think it stands out for a couple of reasons. One, because it seems very out of place, but also it reminds you of something that you just saw. It's a hardcover, it looks like a children's book from the spine, and it's called Maud Goes to the Masked Ball. Mm. I'm going to reach for Maud Goes to the Masked Ball. All right, so it's... it's um. It's a thin book. It looks as you if, as you kind of open it up. It it seems like there's you know it, it's very much a children's book. So there's not a lot of words in it, but it's lavishly illustrated. Mm-hmm. How uh, how deeply are you going to uh, you gonna you gonna read it? Or are you gonna just kind of flip through the pages? You said it's it's thin, right? Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll read the op- the first page of it and then start leafing. Okay. So the first page details a young girl named Maud who becomes lost in an unnamed city. You flip a little bit more. She enters an ironworks, and she meets an old man named Ambrose. Ambrose fashions her a clockwork mask that moves and smiles. And you keep going on a little bit more, and and in exchange for giving her voice to a Mr. Wild, a man who secretly pulls the strings behind the royals of a city, Maud gets gets an invitation to the masquerade. At the ball, she is pursued by a strange prince in gold, wearing a white mask. And before you know it, you've you've flipped through the whole book and you get to the last page. And it's a color plate uh, where the prince has removed his mask. But the top half of the color plate has been ripped off and the revealed face cannot be seen. And Maud looks shocked. I think I would first of all be very frustrated, as I want to know. Be like, damn, damn it. <laughs> Who's the face? Yeah. Who is, who is it? And I start looking around uh, to see if, like, maybe if the page ripped, is it like, can I see where it went or no? No, it, no, it, it's it's not like lying on the ground or anything like that. Okay, so that's definitely weird. Let me use my uh, uh, FBI skills. And w- when was it published? Where was it published? Does that have any of the info anywhere? Uh, it does actually. It was published in 1925 by uh, a publishing house that is 
called Finkelstein Books. That is curious. Now I have another question for you, Chip, before we switch back to the other two. Do you think Chip's the kind of guy who wears a watch? Yes. <gasps> I certainly do. So something kind of pushes you to check your watch. And, yeah. you know, in your mind, it's been probably two or three hours since you... Uh, followed Thomas Manuel up to the rooftop door and went into the smoking lounge. Mm -hmm. But you look down at your watch and see that it's after 8.30, not quite 9 o'clock yet. It seems as though no time has passed since you went into the smoking lounge for the first time. But you see the second hand on your watch moving now. Is it moving at a regular pace or is it slower than... Seems like it's moving at a regular pace. And so I just kind of look at it. Are either of them near me? Can I? I'll call. I'll call out to uh, both of them because I. This is. This is. It's crazy. There's. How has this been? No time has passed. Yeah. So you call out to them, and and I would say that Dahlia, you probably hear this because you're kind of walking towards trying to find Veronica and passing mm -hmm. where Chip had gone down the aisle. So you probably hear him. Veronica, I think you probably are a little more focused on this woman who's just talked to you. But Dolly, you hear this. Do you want to do anything? Did I hear the woman say, like, what are you doing in my apartment? Maybe. I mean, you, maybe you probably heard someone speak. Then I'm probably going to kind of give Chip a, like, yeah, just in a minute. Like, I'll answer that in a minute and go see who else is there. All right. So you come upon Veronica and this woman is standing there and she has said, what are you doing in my apartment? And Veronica is obviously surprised to see someone further into this room and she's gonna go um i uh i'm i'm so sorry i i think i'm lost uh, uh who are you i'm michelle van fitz i live in this apartment and that name i think would register for you veronica this is one of the names of that was on the mailbox when you first came into the McAllister building m van fitz was one of the names on that on that list well, I'm I'm so sorry to disturb you, um, Miss Van Fitz, but I, truthfully, I am was have been trying to make my way to the sixth floor. I'm looking for Abigail. Do you happen to know where she is? One of your neighbors? Yeah, it, she's. I really, I, I have to say, I feel I feel bad, but a little disappointed in 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 Abigail. You know, she's gotten herself into oh, just a just a no good relationship. I I I'm not one to to accuse anyone of anything, but I. I would might call it an abusive relationship with that that salesman. What are you looking for them for? Uh, I'm 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 with a, a few colleagues who are looking to do to collaborate with her. Veronica's or struggling to remember what the lie they agreed to say was. Um, and then she's gonna say, oh, uh, "Why would you say abusive? Should we be worried about her?" I just I think that he controls everything she I think he controls her whole life now. I think she's she's let herself just be caught up in this relationship and she does whatever he says. Mm. And to think that she was someone who she, you know, she introduced me to some some of the the greatest feminist works that I've ever seen and now she's now she's run off with the salesman. Um you say run off, she's not still in this building? Well, she's upstairs. She's on the 6th floor. I'm so sorry. I thought we were on the sixth floor. No, we're on the second floor, or I guess they call it the first floor in this old fancy building. What? Oh no! <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. God. So, so as this conversation is happening, Dahlia, you're probably walking up to the two of them. Chip, you kind of shout for the for both Dahlia and Veronica, and don't hear anything. Maybe, maybe Dahlia says like, "One second, Chip." And you probably hear voices, another, yeah. a, a, you know, a third voice. What do you do? I would walk, start walking towards the voices. Okay, and so as she sees Chip, she says, what are you, are you a cop? No, nope, personal security. My name's Robert October. It's nice to meet you. Well, you're probably just as bad as those law enforcement officials. Worse. Oh, God. Why? Anyways, the, none of this matters. Why are you three in my apartment? I'd like you to leave now. You see, so sorry to interrupt, Miss um, Van Fitz, I think it was. We really are hoping to get in touch with Abigail. Could you help us? Could you lead us to her? I don't know where she is any better than you do. She's up on six. That's all I can tell you. I really don't have any time for her or for you. And again, so sorry to press, but could you explain to us what you know about how to reach the sixth floor? We heard there was a going away party for someone going up a floor. 
yes, there was a going away party. I was I was there briefly. It wasn't really my scene. But you just go up the stairs. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. Uh, could you point us in the direction of the stairs, please? Yes, sure. It, it, and she points the, not the direction that you came from, the other direction. No. She says, if you leave my apartment and go out into the hallway, you'll be able to find the stairs. Thank you very much. Sorry for the intrusion. <laughs> we'll definitely be on our way, Miss Fitz, but is there anything else you could tell us about this encyclopedia man? Does he have a name? Hmm. I've never gotten his name. I've never bothered to find out. And what kind of encyclopedias does he sell? We promise we will leave soon. You, you're really, you're really testing my patience here. But I, I don't I know. know encyclopedias. What, what type of encyclopedias are there? I don't know what brand. Hard cover, soft cover. <laughs> Have you ever seen a soft cover encyclopedia? <laughs> you make a valid point, man. <laughs> you have a future in personal security with an eye like that. <laughs> a soft cover encyclopedia. <laughs> you guys, we can't leave this place no, without getting any more no. info. But like, no, we're not. I, I'm trying We're to not getting like anything else for this lady. She's going to be me. Are these her books? Is she her. a writer? Like, can we, can we ask her how long she's lived here, too? Yeah. Like, I, feel, I feel like we are about to get. What's smacked. she going to do, though? So what? There's three of us that's, and one of her. Well, that's up there. Right? <laughs> I thought I thought you were leaving. I, why am I, I don't know why I'm answering your questions. You're trespassing in my apartment. And she like you see that she kind of like reaches down, like almost imperceptibly to like her pocket. Ooh, can I use my persuade to try and like calm her down and get her to help us a little? Uh, sure, you can try. Uh, roll persuade okay. at minus forty. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, my persuade is eighty, so it has to be F- under forty minus, or below. Under forty or okay. below. All right. Okay. Let's take a. Oh, it's an eighty-eight. <laughs> That's a oh, it's a double failure. too. Oh, yeah. she's gonna, oh, shoot. She's gonna <laughs> kill me. <laughs> we, we we're not good at persuading. No. So what do you what do you think you say to try to get to try to win her over? Um, I think that I say, you know, uh, we're we're turned around. Um, we you know we know that we're intruding on her space. Um, but we're just appealing to her as like you know a neighbor of this young woman, woman to woman. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, like, um, that she obviously has a concern for Abigail as well. She knows she's, like, not in a good situation, and so, like, any other information she could give would be helpful. She's something about what you say, like, maybe maybe she's, like, feeling defensive that she has no interest in helping Abigail anymore, but she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out, like, a spray canister and sprays you in the face, or tries to spray you in the face. Oh, my with God, mace. with... With what? what? With mace? Is that what With mace, said? yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but I rolled a 97, and so she, she, like, she struggles to get out of her pocket, and, like, the spray, like, hits you in the chest, but doesn't actually get into God. your face. And then okay. she starts to, she, like, runs, like, down a, 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 an aisle of books. What do the three of you do? I mean, she technically just, well, no, because she's not a law officer, so she didn't assault a law officer. We really wouldn't have any grounds to detain her on. If she and, ran and, um, and don't forget that your handcuffs are are with, on with David. are on David uh, in another handcuffs. Well, if she ran the other way, I'm I would probably just be like, I think perhaps that should be our cue to leave. I was actually going to say if she ran the other way, we could look around a little bit more, but. Oh, I, yeah. we could. Well, we could go. We could go. We could go. <laughs> I think Veronica is a little pissed off that some lady just tried to mace yeah. her in the face. <laughs> but I think that she may she makes a gesture as though she's going to take off after her because she's like ticked off. But I think then Veronica takes a pause and is like, you know, forget it, forget it. Let's let's try and get out of here. Yeah. Follow her directions to the sixth. Floor. She said we're on the second floor? So we're on the second floor. Oh. And David's just somewhere. We have no idea where he is. Yeah. Well, we can't go back that way anyways. No. The door I guess is we would follow her directions to the stairs and just oh, start making our way uh, that way. Yeah. But as we walk out, I would probably say to them, by the way, I happen to glance down at my watch. How long, roughly, would you say you think we've been in uh, this hellhole? Three out, two, three hours. Oh, at least. That's what it feels like. And then I hold up my watch to show them. I said, and yet. Oh, my God. Well, stranger things have happened. Let's not dwell on it. 
What is this? Hell house? <laughs> Dolly is just not impressed. She's like, oh, yeah. time hasn't been moving. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see your name on a bottle on the sixth floor? No. She's still pissed the lady didn't tell us anything. Like, she's still mad at that fucking yeah. lady. I'm mad like, I what, came in the door. I'm, like, we're just deeper and deeper into the maze. I think we're going towards. Uh, uh, I don't know if we're even in a maze anymore. Like I, I, I feel like once we got to that third floor or that fourth floor, like there's been no layout whatsoever that I That's can follow in my why head. Why I was so confused when there was the perpendicular hallway and a ballroom. Yeah, like it's the like, ballroom would I, have multiple stories, and it's like what. It just no. I think it's like it's. I don't think we're it's dealing with linear. anything that's like yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> completely none. Mm-hmm. Which is how the numbers in the building appeared to us kind of when we first got. Yeah, there. really. The weird uh, one yeah. three two. <laughs> so you 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 go the direction that Michelle Van Fitz had pointed, <sighs> and you walk underneath an archway into what looks like a small New York City apartment. What? There are bookshelves, there's a bed, a beaten up futon, no television or radio, but it looks like a pretty standard apartment, and you see a door that looks an awful lot like the doors like into Thomas Manuel's apartment, into Abigail Wright's apartment in the McAllister building. Mm. Oh, so this is gonna like lead us right back out. Right back to, to where we went. Yes. Which might not be the worst thing in the world, I guess, right? Yeah. If we went back yeah. to as if we could regroup a little bit there. Yeah, but does that mean that the apartments that we see that are in whatever is the normal spectral plane, do they all have access to these, like, additional rooms? Because if we're coming through her, like, massive, massive library that then goes into her regular apartment, Mm -hmm. like, should we go, I don't know, like, do you think, like, behind the layers of junk and Abigail, this is just, this is just... Um, Lindsay, I think speculating, like, you know, if we go into Abigail, yeah, like. Hearing you talk about it made me realize the only thing that's been consistent, like, because it's been consistent, like, we, what's his name, um, he changed his story and stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. with this, the steps to the basement have always gone to the steps to the basement. Now, there's been a different number of doors every time, but we right. haven't looked at any of those doors. So, I think if we end up back on, out in our in a space that we recognize that should be where we had but to if we basement. end up in a space we don't recognize I have no idea what to do mm-hmm. but yeah I think that we should go back there because we didn't look in any of the doors not the fake one the real one none of them mm-hmm. right well you did look in you looked in, in one, the, one you, you actually room, I think yeah. you, you you did look in a couple of them because I think that I told Veronica that they were just kind of normal storage areas mm-hmm. there was nothing right. there were no nothing we didn't open down there other than her mystery door or did we did we see everything to see down there yeah, there, there was. Yeah, there was just the one door that was locked, which was the one that that seemingly appeared and then mm. disappeared. The other ones were normal storage, like storage mm. areas, other than the one that had been kind of converted to a, a an art studio. Well, let's go out back out that that way and see if we end up back where we started. Go from there. All right. So you, who's opening okay. the door? I'll do it. So Chip, you uh, you open up the door and you seem to be back in one of the hallways of the McAllister, the, the, the first McAllister that you were in, the one that you, the one that you got to from New York city, from the, the from a New York city place. street. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The one in Kipps Bay. Yes. Oh, Kipps Bay. Huh. Oh God. What a weird place to be. Uh, so I think we'd obviously be very confused. Yeah. It's bad that I'm like disappointed. <laughs> I know, but it's like then to get back to these, do we have to go all the way back up again and go through the smoking lounge? <laughs> like, <laughs> I do think so. I think I think as as soon as the three of you kind of get back into a place that feels more normal, I think the the experience that you just went through kind of hits you, right? And how close you potentially came to being lost somewhere forever, right? Like all of the 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 times that you started walking someplace and it like it wasn't what you expected or it, it you know the the hallways yeah. lengthened or doors appeared or stairwells disappeared like all of that now seems way more crazy than it seemed to you in the moment because somehow mm. you were just experiencing all those things but now like the revelation that like none of that made any sense and you could easily have just been there forever is kind of yeah. washing over you. And now. no time had passed. And yet it felt And no yeah. time had passed. Yeah. Yeah. 
so David's story seems even more plausible. And also we left him up there. That's right, you did. Handcuffed. (laughs) (laughs) Even more incapacitated than you. Gotta fend for yourself, David. Actually, 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 I am gonna actually make all of you roll a sanity check uh, for that. Okay. For leaving him? Yeah, the fact that, like, oh, mm-hmm. now it kind of makes sense that this actually could have happened to this guy, and instead of helping him, you handcuffed him we and left him David. up there. <laughs> yeah, that would really, that would, Trip would be so sad. 95 over 42. Oh, good. 20. Okay, that's not bad. 58 under 69. The lawyer in you is like, <laughs> It's only Dahlia that takes two points of oh no, two points of sanity oh. damage, and I think for you, I mean, it's like it's like you were the you were the one that was most cold to him, right? And so yeah. you're like, oh my god, what, what? Like, I was a monster up there. Yeah, I was drawn in by the glamour of the place or the intrigue, you know. <laughs> so it's about nine o'clock. So I just hit my breaking point, though. Does anything happen? Uh, I think you have to pass. Uh, for anything, I mean, and nothing will happen in the moment, but we'll we'll deal with that. But I think you have to pass it, so you're you're right on the edge of 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 being permanently traumatized from this experience. Okay. Oh gosh. So it's nine o'clock now. Yeah. I think I would. The first thing I would say is, well, I don't imagine uh, anyone wants to go back to catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. What the hell just happened? I will remind you. Somebody's expected to catalog that thing, and like you know, especially I think for Chip, like that's that's your job to an extent, yeah. right? Like I'm not I'm not saying the three of you have to go back to cataloging, but you're gonna have to figure out some way of of dealing with that situation. Yeah, I think he's pretty. He's probably feeling pretty black pilled right now. A lot of stuff just happened. Like he, <laughs> yeah. those are his handcuffs on that guy. He like his, and he was the one who was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then he was like, Ah, okay. So I think he's probably just like. Not, uh, you know, there's no question of duty or patriotism or anything like that. But he is starting to wonder, like, well, I go, I open one door, I could be lost forever. Like, what am I doing? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, it's, it's a bridge that might not, not too far, but it's the first one that's come like, geez, this is a lot of stuff we deal with. Can we knock on the other doors in the normal building? Do whatever you want. Right, like, we've actually only knocked on the next door neighbor who was Thomas Manuel. Yeah, and you True. only saw there were only five apartments that had names listed next to them on the mailboxes. One of them mm-hmm. was Abigail Wright, one was Thomas Manuel, one was M. Van Fitz. So there are only two others that had names next to them. What were the names? Can we recheck those? And, I don't know. Sure, there was an L. Post, uh, who seems to be on the floor that you're on, the, the second slash first floor. And there was an R. Caroon. On this floor? Uh, we don't know. On the on the on the the ground floor, the same floor as Thomas and oh. uh, Abigail. I would say test those out. I don't know. It's also nine p.m. I don't know if that affects how you want to interact with oh, uh, these people, but I mean, is this like what's the team headspace? Is everybody like, I guess I'll go home and like sleep for the night, and then like you know make my peace with God, and then come back tomorrow like refreshed and ready to maybe be trapped in this building for the rest of time. Or, like, do we keep going? Because, I I mean, it is, like, that's a fair, like, you know, we just, like, time stood still. Chip wants to, definitely, he wants to step outside and make a phone call. That's that's Mm -hmm. where he's at right now. That's, like, numero uno is he just wants to get to the payphone, make a phone call, unrelated to the case, obviously. Dahlia's, like, impatient to keep working. She's like, it's only Mm -hmm. nine o'clock. The night is, yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind Chip... Uh, another time, because I think this would be another time where Marcus's words are coming to your head. Like, again, your job, not to find Abigail Wright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it has nothing to do with Abigail Wright. It's mm-hmm. my job is to identify a threat. <laughs> yeah. And we don't know that. We know that that's the Delta Green mission, but you don't know that Marcus drilled it into my head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Delta Green, Del- the, the, the same mission that has been told to all three of you, which is see if there's something unnatural related to Abigail Wright's disappearance and put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, which seems like maybe, you know, burn this whole building down. Like, that's, right? To me. Yeah, that's... It's the old Delta Green <laughs> standby. Like the... Burn the damn thing down and, <laughs> and hope it doesn't you know? come back. Yeah. That's just some salt in the earth situation. True. Yeah. yeah, Chip's kind of making that, like, he he's kind of in that moment of, like, all right, I'm looking at, I got two things here. I got the FBI and I got Delta Green here. And, like, what one is, in in the, in the kind of 
in the reality that we're facing, the, I think that he's finding that the reality of his Delta Green life is the one that's like, once you know it, you can't unknow it. Yeah. Once you've mm-hmm. seen all of it, you can't unsee it. So I think that his his like sense of duty thing has started to like his compass has shifted a little bit, not away from having purpose, but more to the Delta Green like I just this this is a bad place and I really don't care if the FBI is like why didn't you why did you do the uh the cataloging? Well, I'll figure that out. I just want to get uh, this place sucks. It's a bad place. <laughs> it's evil. All right, so so Chip wants to go outside and make a, make a make a phone call on the payphone. Veronica, Dahlia, what would you like to do? Um, I think for Veronica, I think she's also going to step outside just to get a breath of fresh air um, because we've been trapped in all these rooms that arguably you couldn't see the outside, right? You certainly never saw the outside. Yeah, so <laughs> I think she's going to step out as well. Yeah, I think I think she's just going to step out for a moment and I don't know, maybe like. Just take a look at the building from the outside. Okay. What about you, Dahlia? Dahlia's gonna go back into Abigail's apartment. Like, she doesn't really feel the need to leave the building. And just try and sort of, like, sit with everything that happened and make sense of it. Maybe, like, take some notes, sketch out, like, what she remembers of which places they went to where. That's what she'll do. It's like almost like a map of the places that they went and where it led to. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so, Chip, uh, who are you calling? I'm calling my long-term fiance, Annie. Uh, she picks up. Says, "Hi, this is this is Annie." Hello, Annie. It's your. Uh, it's it's well. It's me. It's Chip. Uh, good oh, to, hi, Chip. Good to talk to you. Uh, I'll tell you, work has been a bear tonight. It's really, really gotten to me. Uh, uh, and I'll. I'm thinking I might. Uh, think I might send the team home for the night. I think I might. Think I might come home for the night. We might have to celebrate our anniversary night early. I. I have a feeling about this case, it's not a very good feeling. I, I have to be honest with you. I know I've said this to you, well, once or twice, I'm sure, but I think I'd like to come home tonight because I think that, well, I know you haven't had the easiest of times, uh, being, you know, goodness gracious, a, a government man is not an easy man to marry, let alone, you know, long engagement. Uh, and I, I, I'd like to, well, I'd like to just have a night where we can just enjoy each other's company uh, without any Anybody worrying about the phone ringing or the pager buzzing, something like that? Just, uh, do you think we could move the plans uh, a bit? Uh, Chip, you're you're scaring me a little bit. I you don't you don't normally talk like this, but I, you know I I'm I'm so sorry that that you're feeling this way. I I I hate that I hate that you know I, I hate hearing you sound. I mean, don't get mad at me for saying it, but but scared. Oh, I'm not scared. Come now. I know, I know, I know. I I, I shouldn't even have said it, but. But yeah, I, I've got we've we've got some food here. We can we can have a we can have a nice dinner. I'll I'll open a bottle of wine. Thank you, Annie, and uh, I appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Uh, you might be right. I I might be a little bit scared. Maybe pour a couple extra glasses of the wine. I'll I'll see you in a bit, darling. Sounds good. Get home safe. And I hang up and I look over because uh, I guess I would see that Veronica's out, uh, is outside. Probably, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'd look at her and be like, uh, Miss Doyle, I think. I think we'll get back after this tomorrow. I'm uh, in my official position as the FBI agent in charge of this case and the uh, senior most Delta Green agent as well. I'm going to call rank and say it's it's time to call it a night. We'll finish this one. We'll finish this one tomorrow. I think Veronica doesn't say anything. She just nods, kind of still looking up at the building. Chip, do you make sure that Veronica and Dahlia leave? Do you go back in to talk to Dahlia or do you just head out? I would probably go back in and talk to Dahlia with the kind of understanding that I think that I recognize that she's she's kind of, I think I would know what it looks like when she's really dug in on something like this. So I would, you know, tell her kind of like, you know, officially, I'm Stephen Nova, we're calling the investigation tonight and uh, we'll be back in the morning to pick it up. Uh, unofficially. I've seen the look in your eye before. I, I know this one is, is getting under your skin. If I'm not in control of what happens after I leave here, but I'll tell you. Uh, Miss Doyle and I will be back here in the morning, and boy, it would make me very happy if you were to. I'll be like, I'm just going to stay for a little bit and do a little more cataloging. Night Owl. Whatever you need to do. And he just kind of turns and uh, walks out, walks out of the apartment, and gives uh, Veronica a nod and walks to his car. He's going home. He's forcing himself for a happy ending before his very sad ending. That's probably going <laughs> Oh, God. Veronica, what about you? Do you... Um... Do you head home like you say you're going to? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know like what access 
I mean, I guess it's 1995 and she's in that type of field, but I don't know what access Veronica has to like a personal like at home computer, but I think she does head home. I think she wants to kind of look up some of the names, see if she can find anything. I know the, the web is new. <laughs> But. Yeah, no, but you, you, we're, we'll say you have access to the internet. You're, you know, you've, yeah. you've made, you've made some decent money in your career so far. You probably have a, yeah. you have a computer. You're, it's, it's not, it's not too early to have a computer. Yeah. So she's going to go home and, and see, you know, if there's anything she can, any other detail she can find about the McAllister building or, um, you know, Castain. Sure. No problem at all. Um, how about, Dahlia, so you you mentioned you said to Chip that you were just gonna do a little more cataloging. Is that your actual plan, or are you, um, <laughs> you planning to do something else? No, I think that's you know get the notes down of all the things that she remembers having happened, and then maybe two or three hours cataloging, go home around midnight. Okay, that sounds good. So we're gonna start with the internet research that Veronica is doing. So do you have a do you have a computer science score? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a computer science score. Zero um, percent? I don't know if, like, it's literally zero. I mean, I don't know if, like, research is anything that could fall under law, because I have a score there. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah, let's do... Um... What about bureaucracy, kind of knowing the ways to get information from the internet, learning the, you know what I mean? If she's, yeah, I have Do you have a too. bureaucracy score? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's go with let's go with bureaucracy. What's your bureaucracy score? Fifty. Alright, go ahead and make me a roll on bureaucracy. Okay. That is oh fifty-seven over fifty. Okay. So so you you spend some time maybe the computer's new. You're not you know, you're not the you're not a Google wizard at this point, you know, very early and it's you you're asking a lot of Jeeves on the internet <laughs> here. <laughs> um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haunted hotel. <laughs> and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you an option here. You mm-hmm. can either spend a few hours, not find much, call it a night and go to sleep. Or if you wanna stay up and kind of work late into the night, mm-hmm. you'll be able to find something. Okay. I'm gonna work late into the night. Yeah. That feels in keeping <laughs> with her personality. <laughs> I'm sure I will suffer some sort of consequences for this, but yes. <laughs> almost certainly, almost certainly. <laughs> So you're able to find a couple of things. Uh, the most notable, or I guess the maybe not, maybe not most notable, but but one of the one of the most important things that you find is that you feel pretty confident that like if you were to go down to City Hall, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot more information about the building, about the architect, about you know any sort of you know kind of criminal activity that that happened related to the building or anything like that, like. Most of those records are not online or haven't been digitized yet, but do exist there. So that is that is that is one thing that you find. the The small amount of information you're able to find on the internet is the McAllister Building was originally called the Lundine Home or the Lundine House, and it was a it was built as a as a private residence. And the permit for construction was issued on May twenty seventh, nineteen twenty one, and it says that the the construction was completed three years later on May twenty first, nineteen twenty four. And then you also find a couple of sale records. It was sold by the Lundine Estate on February third, nineteen fifty three, to a company called the Star Corporation, which is like a mundane Delaware holding company. And it was sold by the Star Corporation to ArtLife, who you believe is the current owner of the building, the, the company that owns the building, on May 6th, 1967. So it's been owned by ArtLife for almost 30 years. Okay. The last thing that you find is just an, is just like a, it's like a rudimentary informational web page about famous architects. And you find an entry for Asa Darabandi. There's not a lot of information about this architect other than it seems that he was involved in a scandalous murder case, mm. but it doesn't say anything else other than that. Okay. Got it. Okay. And like, it, it, am I able to do a, like a search on some of these names of um, like, you know, G. Castain plus McAllister? Does anything come up? No, you don't find anything on, on any Castains. Okay. Um, can I also search for Michelle Van Fitz? Uh, sure, yes. You search for Michelle Van Fitz. She is uh, she is a writer. She is a feminist author. She writes fiction and poetry. 
and she recently there's a there's a there's a short article that she recently sold her first short story collection to Berkeley publishers. So she is real. <laughs> she is real, yes. And like of this <laughs> time period. Yeah. Seems yeah, to be, yeah. Seems to be. Yeah. Tremendous relief. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Can I can I search for one or two more things just to see? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What about David Langford plus electrician cable you do not find any information about david langford <laughs> okay and team and well oh wait we already know about him never mind all right i think that's it okay um and so you know you probably are working until like four in the morning mm-hmm. go ahead and roll me a, a sanity check okay no Ooh, 69 and my sanity is 69 all right so you you are able to fall asleep. You're able to get a couple of hours of sleep. And so when you wake up the following morning, you take three points of willpower damage. And so you're 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 starting just a not totally refreshed because you didn't get much sleep, but you were able to fall asleep. Got it. Okay. Uh, Chip, unless you unless there's any unless you want to do anything else, you spend yeah. a, a a nice evening at home with your fiance. Um, she's yeah. she's kind of whipped up a quick dinner. Um, opened a bottle of wine. Dance. We uh, have a lovely evening. And then I think that after she goes to bed so late, uh, he would be outside um, smoking the cigar that he had purchased from the ghosts, if he still has it. If not, he's got one he does. of his own. And he's going to call Marcus, the because uh, I imagine this guy's answering at all hours. I mean, he's a Delta Green guy. Uh, yeah, so you call Marcus on your burner phone, and he says, Agent Osric, it's pretty late. What's going on? Marcus, uh... I think I'm gonna need. Uh, I think you were right about this one. It's it's a tough nut to crack, and I, th- I think we might need a burner. I think we might need to. Uh, I might need your help getting some people out, getting some cover stories together. Uh, I this one might just need to be 86th. Well, uh, well, Osric, I think you know this, but you're just as capable. You're just as capable as as I am. In fact, I think you're more capable. Uh, any cover stories? That's that's on you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know the expectation. I have confidence in you. Oh, don't worry. No reason not to have confidence. I'll make sure everybody gets out of there all right. Uh, I just can't, just really can't make heads or tails of this one. I, and I think that we're all better. The, the sooner that place is in ashes on the ground, the better. Well, I, I trust you to keep us all safe. Your service is uh, appreciated. Now, as always, Marcus, I appreciate your assistance. I'll, uh, I'll update you <laughs> on the case tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, he he hangs up. Like Chip just kind of sits there smoking a cigar by himself because he he's kind of made in his head like he knows the next move here, like what has to be done. So he's just kind of uh, you know he'll go to bed eventually. But uh, this we got a threat here that is is out of hand. <laughs> Wait, so he's he's proposing that we just burn down the building like tomorrow? To the ground. Oh, There's all David? those people in there. You gotta get them out. What about That's why Michelle you gotta David? get you gotta get Michelle. You gotta get second floor, first floor. Where you can't get them out is the ghosts. We're not gonna be able to get them out tomorrow during the day. Yeah. It's gonna be closed. No, but those <laughs> until the, the, the fourth floor. You have to like those people probably are ghost demon people like david was trapped but like the other <laughs> ones who were just acting like a part of it mm-hmm. no abigail's to the world dead and we can't like thomas and thomas oh dahlia now Dahlia's gonna feel guilty over let's thomas go- <laughs> who she well, murdered i just want to know what's going on i'm not ready to burn it then all the secrets well, will get burned too <laughs> Well, let's yeah, let's hold off. Let's hold off until okay, until okay. you're able to actually have this conversation. Right, so this right, is just right. what's going through what's going through Chip's yeah. head. Chip, what time do you think you try to go to sleep? Hmm. Uh, probably around two, three o'clock. All right. Why don't you give me a sanity check as well? Sure. I haven't taken any damage in a while. Twenty-seven under forty-six. All right. So you are able to, after you kind of smoke down your cigar, finish off the bottle of wine, you crawl into bed, and are able to get a little bit of sleep. Also, and so you wake up the following morning with also three points of willpower damage. So tired, but but okay and ready to go. All right. And finally, we switch over to Dahlia, who is in Abigail Wright's apartment doing a little cataloging. So Dahlia, why don't you start by making me a a search check, please? 
So my search is... Oh, God, 20. I got 25, over 20. All right, so you start to try to catalog things, but I think you get, you know, you, you certainly get some things cataloged, but I think you are frequently distracted by patterns that you see in the way that Abigail has put things up on the wall. Maybe it's your, you know, just your your natural instinct to see things as art. And maybe, you know, maybe it's just the, the effects of the traumatic experience that you've had this day. But everything seems like a pattern to you. And okay. so you pull something off and then you, you, you like almost, you want to put it back on to see how it fits in with the other things. And you don't make a lot of progress. Uh, but I do need you to make me a sanity check, please. Oh, God. Mm. Beginning of the end. Oh, 25. Nice. So um, do you, you, you said you work for a couple of hours, two, three hours, and then you leave around midnight? Yeah. Sure. And so you, as you're leaving, you you are starting to walk down the steps and you turn around and you pull the door to the outside closed and you see some movement inside in the hallway. It's hard to see because it's dark in there. But as you're, as you're kind of turning back around, you see that a dog has come to run up right near the front door and kind of peers out at you and then turns around and like runs off the other direction back down the hall. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. Dog. Who's that? <laughs> the Grim. <laughs> the superintendent. Who's that? Oh my god, yeah, yeah. the superintendent. Oh my gosh. Hmm. It's a devil dog, unfortunately, folks. What is happening? This podcast was published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The Impossible Landscapes campaign is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.